I forgot my intro. Isn't that awesome? Uh, well, I, it's funny. I did forget the intro, but I, well, then I'll, I'll skip it uh, and just share with you a, a cool thing. Um, yesterday, uh, my dad and I went out to the cemetery to uh, kind of clean up mom's grave. And it was wonderful to do because I love mom. But I also had two loads of laundry to fold, and it felt like kind of funny to not do the laundry to go clean mom's grave, uh, because she would have preferred I do the laundry. I know that. Uh, but one of the things, you know, I, I go, we go to her grave. I don't know where dad is. We go to her grave as often as we can, and I always uh, think of, like, our, our second reading today. Was that you? No. Where'd our second reading go? Thank you, brother where John sees that vision of heaven. And I don't know if you've ever caught this. There's two common themes. Every time God shows heaven to the apostle John, you see it says the martyrs and the saints in heaven offering prayers for us. Great news, guys. Yeah, we got a serious prayer team going. But the second thing is often it says that the people in heaven are waving palm branches. And I, I don't remember if I've ever told you why they do that but it's because it sounds like rain. Um, I've been in Israel when they do this. It's a festival they do once a year to celebrate. We don't live in the desert anymore, right? We're not wandering through the desert, and one of the ways they start the celebration is they all get in a big old group, and everyone takes uh, palm branches, and they start shaking them. And if you're there the first time, it's unnerving because it sounds like rain, and you, you get ready uh, for rain. Um, and the reason they do that is because we don't have to pray for rain anymore. We got rain. And people in heaven, that's what they do, right? They just rejoice. We don't have to pray for rain anymore. It's good here. And as John said, right, what did the Lord tell him when he showed him, look at this. They don't cry anymore. They don't weep anymore. They don't even remember pain. And so for those of you here, who have lost children or who have lost your mom or who, who long for motherhood, I, I hope you find comfort today in knowing that John saw heaven and it was pretty awesome. Yeah? So there we go. And if I was smart, I'd stop. I'm not smart. Uh, we're going to keep going. It's May. And in May, this was the intro, in May... We as Catholics focus in a special way on Mary. Now we're Catholic, so we focus on her the other 11 months too. Uh, but we pick May, and I have no idea why, but we do. And so as you can see, we've got our Mary statue here front and center. And uh, our, our school kids, they did that. They didn't organize it. Uh, but all of those flowers came from our school kids. They just lined right up, took 20 minutes. It was almost as long as my homily. And uh, I just, because to honor our mom. But one of the things I know I missed, at least in my generation, was why? Why do we honor Mary? And so I want to talk about that. It's a little more of a practical homily today. Um, but it starts with, uh, you know, my whole defense growing up, right? I grew up in a very Baptist town. And they're not big fans of us and Mary. And always my answer when I would get the questions, and I'd get the questions from teachers, right? I always gave that great Catholic answer, because. Um, 
if you want to write that down, I totally get it. Uh, and sometimes I even threw in a <laughs> like that. But we do have thought and reason behind what we do. And to be clear, there was no dissension on how Catholics view Mary in, in our 2,000-year history until the last 500. In the first 1,500 years of Christianity, you will not find one thing where a person leads a movement that says we shouldn't pray to Mary. Hey, this is new. Uh, and so I want us to understand some of the whys and maybe offer some answers to common questions. I get this one a lot. Ready? Well, where is that in the Bible? Where is this about Mary uh, and praying to her in the Bible? And I always answer the same. Well, it's right next to the passage that says everything needs to be in the Bible. Yeah? Um, the Bible didn't get formed as a Bible until the 5th or 6th century. Um, Christians lived 400 years without a Bible. Uh, there was no real concept of it. There was this concept of, well, there's sacred writings that we hold as true, but there wasn't a definitive list. And there was no, some people read this gospel that you don't even know about, and some people didn't. It really wasn't until the 5th or 6th century so the church says, you know, we should figure out which books are the oldest, which books everyone seems to agree are um, infallible and inspired uh, by the Holy Spirit, and that's our Bible, and that's what we did. Until that, we were guided by what you and I call sacred tradition. Yeah, sacred tradition. The idea that if the apostles taught it, we believe, we believe it. And the first sacred art we have as Christians. Do you know this? The oldest picture of sacred art we have is a picture of Mary that St. Luke painted on a wall. And that's pretty cool. It has been the consistent 2,000-year practice that we recognize that Mary's human. She's not divine, but that she's special. That by saying yes to God, God changed her. And she became, in the words of St. Bonifenger, quote, the solitary boast of our broken human race. And her saying yes changed her inside and out. Not by her grace, not by her will, not, or not by her power, but because of God. She said yes. And we're here. And that's pretty cool stuff. Some people, well, why do we ask her to pray? You can go directly to Jesus. Sure. Why well, ask anybody to pray? Yeah? I've never had this happen. Say to someone, hey, will you pray for me? And have them say, oh, sorry, you need to go directly to Jesus. There's no mediator here. Right? And I don't know about you. I believe in the resurrection of the dead. I believe that the people who have died in the Lord are with him. And me asking them to pray is no different than me asking you to pray, except, no offense, they're better at it than you and me, yeah? Their pros were in double A. That's how it goes. That was funny, wasn't it? I, I didn't say it at the four, um, but we ask those who have gone before us, marked with the sign of faith to pray for us, as Christians have for 2,000 years. And we do that because we know what John said. 
when he saw heaven, the dead are praying for us. And at no point does it say God stopped them and said, nope, no mediator. Jesus is our mediator and the only one. But we pray to him. We pray. We ask others, pray for us. We do this all the time. And I know you're praying for me. I feel it every day and I thank Jesus for it. Those are a couple, I think, of the most common questions I get from Catholics that they don't know how to answer. But it's pretty simple. Where is that in the Bible? Nowhere, right? In kind of different places. But we understand the Bible as the child of the church, not the parent. The church came first, then the Bible. And Christians have honored Mary from the beginning. We do not think she is God. We do not think she is divine. We think she's the best of us. And we ask her in heaven, please pray for us. Why is she so special then if we've got thousands of saints we pray to? Well, um, I think the most important thing would be to look at two, and I mean, there's a million, okay, but I'm picking my two kind of favorites. And the first one is Mary at the foot of the cross. The uh, 12 disciples had all kind of bugged out except for John. John was the only one who didn't run away. And uh, John, it says in scripture, was at the foot of the cross while Jesus was being tortured to death and that he was with Mary. Now John is referred to two different ways in the Gospel of John. Sometimes he's called John, which makes sense because that was his name, yeah? That was funny. So other times he's called, quote, do you know this one? The disciple whom Jesus loved. I'm sure someone got it, so I nodded like, yeah, it's you, and just point in the general direction, okay? Uh, John and the disciple whom Jesus loved. He's called two things. Why? Because when he's John, when Jesus is just talking to him, he says, John. When John is the stand-in for all who love Jesus, he is the disciple whom Jesus loved. And when Jesus was on the cross, it says he looked down and what did he see? His mother Mary, and he saw the disciple whom he loved. And what did he say? He said to the disciple whom he loved, behold your mom. And he said to his mom, behold your son. And it says the disciple took her into his care. We take Mary into our care, and Mary takes us into her care. Remember, God was vulnerable and helpless for years of his life, and he entrusted himself to her and to him. God put himself in a position, you and I were in also, where he couldn't feed himself, couldn't walk, couldn't go anywhere, couldn't do anything. But these are the two he trusted. So we can also, we can trust them. And he gave her to us. Jesus gave us some awesome things. I don't know if you've ever read about the Eucharist. Yeah? He gave us his mom. Take care of her. Honor her. And he told her, take care of them. Pray for them. If you look then at the whole New Testament, Paul's most common image for the church is the body of Christ. Try it again. The body of Christ. 
right. And where did Paul get that from? Because that was new. Nobody else really was doing this. But Paul hit this image hard. And I'd like us then to go backward, and this will take us to another reason that I personally am a little goofy about Mary. When, Saul, when Paul was Saul, a murderer, an arrogant, hateful man, he was traveling from uh, Jerusalem where he had been, it says in Scripture, laying low the houses of believers. Some of them he executed, others he arrested. And he's on his way to Damascus because he heard there were a big group of Christians there. And do you remember this? Jesus appeared to him and said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Saul never seen Jesus until that moment. He never touched him, never talked to him, never heard him. But Jesus said, why do you persecute me? What Paul took from that moment and carried in his heart for the rest of his life is we're his body. We are him. That this group of us, broken people who love Jesus and are striving to be holy, we're his body on earth. He's got no hands but ours, says St. Teresa. He's got no eyes to look on the poor but our eyes. He has no tongue to speak words of hope, but our tongue. We are his body. And if we are his body, then Mary is our mother. Not just Jesus' mother, which is impressive on the resume. But she adds to the resume, I'm their mother. She's our mother. So in this month of May, I'm going to ask us to see what way Jesus is calling us to do better at imitating her. Because at core, it all comes down to this. She said, yes, and we got Jesus. And if you and I ask for her prayers, if you and I acknowledge her as our mother, and if you and I take her into the home of our heart and let her take us into her home, then we too, we too will say yes to God and give birth to Jesus everywhere. And that's what the world needs more than it needs more money, more than it needs policies. It needs a group of people who give birth to Christ wherever they go. We do that enough. And one day people will be standing at our grave with broken hearts, but filled with hope knowing that we are waving our palm branches in heaven right next to the Blessed Mother and saying, we don't need to pray for rain anymore. There's no more pain here. So thank you, Jesus, for Mary. May we say yes to you every day. Amen? Amen. Okay.